In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who is come so that we may be misunderstood. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today is the last day of the Olympics. For some of you, you're like, oh man, I really wanted to watch more curling. Others of you are like, thank goodness, I want to get back to regular TV now. But the Olympics has been kind of a fun thing. You know, t- tonight we're, we're going to witness the closing ceremonies and, and, um, and see what that's all about and see all of the spectacle that comes along with that. See what the drones do this time. And, uh, and uh, th- this entire Olympics has been a, a Olympics that has been, you know, wh- one of those things where people are walking away with stories. Some of them are walking away with stories of great victories. And others are walking away with stories of great defeats. And some, and probably quite a few actually, since you have all of these nations who speak all of these different languages, are going to walk away with stories of being misunderstood. However, one team, I think, wins if there's a competition for being misunderstood. They, they get the gold medal in being misunderstood. And that is the Norwegian Winter Olympics team. The Norwegian Winter Olympics team is walking away from this Olympics with that distinction, with that title, because of something that happened. Not actually with their athletes, but because uh, of the support people that they brought along with their athletes, uh, specifically their chefs. Now, their chefs were, were talking to some of the suppliers, some of the logistics people from Korea, and there was a little bit of a, a language gap. I was really disappointed that they, this wasn't the Swedish team, because you had like the Swedish chef, but it's still Scandinavia, it's close enough. And so you, you, they had this sort of language barrier between them and they, they were trying to, to make an order and they were trying to make an order for eggs so that they would have the right amount of eggs in order to feed the Norwegian uh, team, which is a big team. They needed a lot of eggs. They needed 1,500 eggs is what they wanted to order. What they ended up ordering because of this problem in language was 15,000 eggs. <laughs> That's a lot of eggs. You know, you're, you're thinking to yourself, 1,500 eggs is a lot of eggs. At the level of 15,000 eggs, I just can't even envision that anymore. It is a lot of eggs that are bonus. They're trying to figure out what to do with all of these eggs. Apparently, they couldn't just return them. There are a lot of really happy chicken farmers in Korea. And a lot of very tired chickens. But that shows you how misunderstandings can happen, and they happen in our lives all of the time. We have these, yeah, these misunderstandings that seem to just crop up. I mean, they, they happen without our meaning them to happen. Otherwise, they wouldn't be misunderstandings. They would be subterfuges or something like that. But when we have these misunderstandings, they're oftentimes really frustrating because we feel like we're speaking completely 
clearly, completely, plainly. We feel like everything that we're saying makes absolute logical sense. There it is. Why don't you believe this? Why don't you understand what I'm saying? And the person on the other end is just going, I don't get it. And so... Then we try to do some other stuff, usually. We, we sometimes try to talk louder, because that's the problem. <laughs> or we try to dumb it down a little bit, and sometimes that works against us, too. And that, that sense of being misunderstood, it's something that we know. It's why, when I asked you the question this morning before worship, I asked you that question, when is the, the last time that you've been misunderstood by someone? And probably all of you were able to come up with some time where you have been misunderstood by somebody that you've been talking to. Well, that's the sense that we have here in this Gospel reading. Where Jesus has been hanging around with the disciples for eight chapters in Mark, which is a long time for Mark. Mark goes really, really fast. Mark's gospel is like on a fast forward speed up until the cross. And so you have Jesus has been hanging around with his disciples and you would think, okay, they, they should get who he is. They should know what he's all about. And so Jesus is walking along with his disciples and he sort of does this like pop quiz thing, right? He's like, say, so, um, opinion poll, what are people saying about me? Who do people say that I am? And the disciples respond right away. They're like, well, there's many theories, Jesus. The first theory is that you are John the Baptist, which is an interesting theory because he's dead. Yeah, so, some people say that you're Elijah, by the way, also dead. Or one of the other prophets. Depending on which other one, yeah, also dead. So they think that Jesus is somehow this reincarnated somebody. And so Jesus goes, oh, well, those are all very interesting theories. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, like Peter does, Peter shoots up his hand, and you can almost see him go, Oh, 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 me, Jesus, pick me, me. And Jesus going, Okay, Peter. And Peter goes, You are the Christ. Jesus goes, Yeah, yeah, that, that's me. Good job. You answered correctly. Don't tell anybody. To Peter... That is a death knell. Peter, the guy who can't keep his mouth shut for anything. Jesus is saying, Peter, shh, don't say a word. And Peter goes, okay. And then Jesus starts to explain what that word means, what that word Christ means. That He is the Messiah. He is the one who has been foretold by the prophets, by the prophets who just were mentioned. People like John the Baptist, people like Elijah, people like Isaiah, people like Obadiah and Amos. He says, this is what it means to be the Christ. What it means to be the Christ is that I am going to be delivered into the hands of unrighteous religious people who aren't going to get what it means for me to be Christ. 
And what they're going to do is they are going to, they're going to beat me and they're going to kill me. And then on the third day, I'm going to raise again. And that's going to show that I am the Christ. Well, Peter is like, no, that can't happen. And so what does he do? He pulls Jesus aside, it looks like. If you walk along with the text, it looks like Peter is kind of doing one of these numbers where he comes up next to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, come here, talk to me. Just just real quick, just away from them. And he rebukes him. Now, we don't rebuke anybody. We have no idea what that word even means, right? Uh, when was the last time you rebuked someone? You're like, I don't know. Maybe back when, when, when somebody was in my parking space or something like that. But what it means when, when he's saying he rebuked, he's scolding him. He's saying, you know, no Jesus, bad Jesus, you know, slapping his hand. No, this can't be you. And then it says this interesting thing where it says that Jesus turns around and he sees the disciples. And he sees that the disciples are seeing that Peter is slapping his hand and he's like, "Uh uh-uh. I am not letting this heresy go. Peter, I told you not to say anything. And he rebukes Peter back with a really strong rebuke. He says, get behind me, Satan. For you do not have on your mind the things of God, but the things of men. You know, it's an interesting thing when you you look at the directionality of what's happening in this Gospel reading, that you have Peter pulling Jesus aside, and it's almost like they're, they're walking off someplace. And then you have Jesus kind of turning around and seeing the disciples that are behind him, and probably Peter who is in front of him. And that's when he's saying... Get behind me, Satan. And he's legit saying, Peter, know your role. Know your role. Get back here. Your role, Peter, is to follow. Your role is to see where this train is going. Because if you're up here, Peter, you're going to misunderstand me. If you're up here, you're not going to see this clearly. And in fact, if you're up here, Peter, if you're in front of me, you are going to get crucified first and you're going to have no idea what's going on. So get behind me. And that's when he turns and he talks to his disciples and he says, every one of you is going to have to take up your cross. You know, this isn't like a thing where we get to say, oh, okay, well, Jesus took the cross so I don't have to experience anything bad. And that's really what this entire sermon series is about that we're doing, this wounded series, where we have to bear our crosses. We have to bear the cost of the discipleship that we have been given by Jesus. We don't have to earn it in terms of it being given to us, but we have this responsibility to follow in the steps of our Master. Following the steps of what he has done. And so we bear these wounds. We bear these wounds of what it means to be 
Jesus in a world that doesn't know Jesus. And oftentimes, that means that we're misunderstood as Christians. And most of the time, honestly, that's our fault. It's our fault because we haven't effectively communicated what it means to be a Christian. We haven't effectively communicated what that really means, how that really changes us, how we really see ourselves as unworthy of meriting God's mercy or grace. How we see ourselves, like Isaiah says, as the afflicted from whom God has not turned away. And so often especially in the United States and in Western Christianity, our Christianity has become this sort of triumphalistic thing where it's not about pointing to a man on a cross who follows us to take up our crosses, but it's about something else. It's about some power struggle that isn't ours to struggle with. And so we put ourselves in front of Jesus so often. And we say, no, Jesus, this is the way it's supposed to be. And Jesus says, get behind me. Know your role. You're my body, but I'm the head. And in those moments where we're misunderstood, in those moments where we have been brought into cross experiences ourselves, where we've been brought into crucifixion experiences ourselves, in those moments where people misunderstand us, where they assume that they know what Christianity is all about, even though we haven't told them anything about Christianity yet. In those moments, we can rejoice. We can rejoice for two reasons. The first reason is... This happened to Jesus. Acts 5. Kind of my favorite chapter of the Bible, if I'm allowed to have a favorite chapter of the Bible as a pastor. You know, it's sort of like having children. Like, I love them all the same. Just Acts 5 a little bit more. In a distinct way. Acts 5. There's, it, Acts 5 ends in this crazy way. The apostles go and, uh, and, and they have been brought up on charges like Jesus. And they have been given a sentence, and their sentence is this, we are going to beat the snot out of you, and then let you go. And Acts 5, the end of Acts 5, it ends in this tremendous way, where it's like, and they left, rejoicing, for they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name. Man, I want that kind of faith where I'm like limping away, blood pouring out of my ear going, that was great! <laughs> but that's the, that's the first way. That, that's the first thing that when people misunderstand us, when we're tempted, when we go through all of these things that we go through as Christians because we're bearing the marks of Christ, that's the first thing that we should do. We should go, this is awesome. Because in a lot of ways, if, we're, if I'm in pain, I know I'm in the right place. I'm carrying my cross behind Jesus. If I'm triumphalistic, if I'm telling other people what to do, I'm probably in Peter's place. But if I'm in pain, if I'm suffering, Luther says that suffering is the seventh mark of the church. If we're suffering together, we're like, yeah, this is the right way to go. And everybody else is, you're crazy. 
But here's the second thing. When people misunderstand us, it's another opportunity to rejoice. Not just for ourselves. Not just knowing, hey, we're on the right path. But when people misunderstand us, that is an opportunity for us. It's an opportunity for us to get clear. It's an opportunity for us to get clear for ourselves. To say, that's really interesting that you hate Christians so much. Tell me more. Tell me why. That's really interesting that you think that Christians are just totally wacky and you would never be one. That is super interesting to me. Tell me more. Tell me why. Because if you tell me more and you tell me why and I take that opportunity and I walk into that as somebody who is carrying my cross, then I'm going to learn a new way to be clear to this world about what it is that I've been given to believe. So this week, may you be completely understanding of the gospel. May you be completely clear of the gospel. May you be clear that what the gospel is, is that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins and has made you a new person, has given you faith, has given you all sorts of riches. And may you go out into a world that misunderstands what his body is all about. And may you find somebody who doesn't get it. And may you see that as an opportunity to follow with your own cross. And to be clear to them so that they might get out of Peter's place and follow along with the rest of us. Amen.